All right, everybody, welcome back to the Overtime Buzz podcast. Uh, we're going to be doing a nice Pens wrap-up now that we finally had a hockey game for what seems like the first time in years um, with the Devils games getting postponed. Haven't really had any games to talk about, reflect on anything, grovel about, you know, anything like that. Um, so the Pens just beat the Islanders 4-3 in the shootout, um, and we'll to cover that game. And then we're also going to talk about the newest front office members of the Pittsburgh Penguins, new GM Ron Hextall and president of hockey operations Brian Burke. Um, certainly a lot to delve into there, but let's get right into uh, this game that just finished up. Dante. I know what topic you're itching to talk about, so I'm going to let you go first. We'll get it out of the way. <laughs> yeah, um, it, certainly with the lack of games over the last couple of weeks, uh, it's given us some time to kind of reflect on this team, what we have right now. Um, and and one of the things that we saw tonight and we've seen throughout the course of this season, even a little bit of last season too, is just Chris Letang, man, he, he makes you want to pull your hair out. And, and that's one of my... Uh, first key points from today and from the last couple weeks or so he's been I, I hate to dogpile on a guy because I, I know the fan base loves to do that you know single out one guy on the defense last season it was Jack Johnson this season it seems to be Mike Matheson but I mean I hate to dog on a dogpile on a guy but he's been absolutely miserable this season and it's frustrating because you know how much he's meant to this team and because you know the skill set that he's had. And, and it, I am in no way knocking his work ethic. I I have no doubts that this guy is an absolute gym rat. You know, he's in there trying as hard as he can. But the fact is that he's no longer 25. And he cannot do the things that he once did, where we all know where he had a high amount of skill, but his hockey IQ was always, you know, not really where it, it should be or proficient. And so he was able to get out of those kind of situations. He would put himself in just because he was so talented. Well, now the rest of the league's kind of caught up to him and he's getting older. He can no longer afford to make the plays that he used to. And the, the frustrating thing is he still does it. And he refuses to adapt his game. So right now, I mean, he's providing the penguins with high risk play with almost little, maybe moderate reward. I'd say even little to no reward. Um, you saw it tonight. Again, part of the struggling power play. He's been part of the struggling power play all season, um, refusing to take shots. Uh, he had a nice shot on goal towards the end of the game. But other than that, I mean, I know you mentioned to me, Zach, that might have been his first shot on goal for the entire season. So um, he, he's been struggling. He's been very hesitant to shoot. He's been pass, overpassing a lot, making a lot of boneheaded decisions. Um, especially tonight, we saw he made a really, really bad pinch on the Barzell goal. Um, being way too over aggressive in that spot, clearly wasn't going to win the puck race, but went for it anyway. Left POJ on an island with one of the best, and Matthew Barzell, who kind of brought the rookie, baptized the rookie by fire. There, uh, he got walked. Not going to lie, but um, can't leave your rookie defenseman like that out to dry like that today. And he did, and the Penguins got torched for it. And the Penguins have continuously been torched by some of the mistakes that Chris Letang has made, along with many others. But I think he's been one of the ones that has. Sh- you know, you've been able to notice his mistakes and they become more magnified and they snowball as they come around. It It's funny because, you know, we, we text about this all the time, whether it's a game, whether it's just practice, whether I mean, they don't even have to be practicing or playing and we're talking about it. Um, you know, it's just funny because it hasn't gotten any better from him. And you, you did say that. And, you know, I key to the point 
you know, of what was it at the end of the 2018 season when he said he would get better? Yeah. He, Something was like it, that. Was it know. the one where he said he refused to change his game? That really turned me off. Yeah, he said something like, you know, what do you want me to do? Make no mistakes? Well, I mean, be nice, but we're not asking for perfection. But, like, certainly a heck of a lot better than what you're giving us right now, dude. Yeah. Like, you're not giving us a whole lot. And, you know, like I said, first shot on goal of the season that I've seen. I mean, certainly there's been some that you you don't notice because they kind of get, you know, just patted away into the corner or whatever or, he, you know, hit the post or whatever. But that's the first shot I've seen him get through to a goaltender and have it be like a noticeable play because all he's been doing is cradling the puck at the top of the blue line. And he can still walk the blue line, which is great. Walk the blue line all you want, dude. Like it doesn't do anything when you're not a threat to shoot because they're not going to press up on you. They're going to press on your outlet passes to the side, to the sidewalls because they know that's where you're going with the puck. And it's soon until you start opening up the middle of the ice or clogging up the middle of the ice with bodies, those passes are going to go away. And like you said, not 25 anymore. Oh man, just watching him out there, it's just it's so painful to watch. You know, just the backhanded passes, I don't know what it is, either like no wrist strength or just like a lack of desire, but like his backhanded passes turn into knuckleballs that just float in the air for like three seconds, get gloved down and taken back the other way. Mm-hmm. Um it, it's something that like just turn to the forehand, take the extra second, whatever you gotta do. I mean, you can skate well enough still but you're better on the forehand than you'll ever be on a backhand. I mean, it's, it's simple as that, but yeah, it's hard to watch. You know, I do have respect for the guy. His work ethic is unbelievable. Um, You know, one of the hardest workers the Penguins probably have ever had, you know, he's up there with Sid, you know, Mario, those guys um, in terms of work ethic, but he, uh, his hockey IQ is not nearly as good as it needs to be to continue playing the way that he is. Um, And that's, you know, it's the first thing that, that goes for, for some guys that aren't, you know, Sidney Crosby level. Um, you know, that's Sid's biggest asset right now against time is the fact that he's just so smart. It doesn't matter if he's not, you know, he's losing a step, the blazing speed's gone, you know, the, um, the shot's not as, as firm, you know, that kind of thing. It, it's, it's one of those things that as long as he can still see the ice, see the puck, it doesn't matter. He's going to make plays, but Latang. Uh, that hockey IQ is dropping. Well, not that there was really that much there. You know, I mentioned like the other day, it's like a hockey IQ of four. Um, it's pretty bad. So, uh, yeah, let's not dogpile on the guy, but yeah. you know, it's He's, something that we all, both have. Oh, yeah. he he just needs to. I mean, with him, less is more. That that's just point blank. You know. Yeah, but then he likes to say that more is is better for him. So. Um, I think someone's got to just tell him he needs to chill out. So um, I guess we'll to kind of transition to the next point here. Um, one of my takeaways from this game, Mike Matheson had an unbelievable game compared to what he's been, but also just in general. Um, I'm willing to say that he was the Penguins' best defenseman tonight. Um, offensively, this dude just – he's got a knack for it. You know, it's one of those things that uh, – when you're getting shots through on a regular basis, it's certainly a great sign. And to me, I would rather a shot go high and wide off the glass, you know, not like 30 feet, but high and wide off the glass, hit the post, just low off the end boards, whatever it takes. Um, It shows that he's seeing the puck through traffic or finding lanes. And it's something that not a lot of our defensemen have been able to do in the last like five, six years. 
You know, Justin Schultz, 2017, was very, very, very good at it. Trevor Daly, 2016, was very good at it. But other than that, we don't have many defensemen that know how to do that. So um, his skating looked tremendous. And uh, you you texted me and said, you know, Mike Matheson can play defense. Um, yeah, he looked really good. Um, I'm, I'm impressed by it. And certainly, you know, the more games he plays in the system, the more games he, you know, gets with the teammates, um, it's certainly going to get better. And I think that they're going to start trusting him a lot more to, to carry the puck into the offensive zone because that's his biggest strength. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I know we've talked about it in the past where we compare and contrast the Latang situation with Mike Matheson, where Latang, it's more of a him just needing to realize he needs to adapt his game. Whereas Matheson, it's not like the dude's not trying. He just, you know, he's not there at the point of his development yet. He still needs to be taught. It's not that, you know, he makes a lot of defensive mistakes time to time, but it's not that it's because he doesn't care. It's just because, you know, he, he still needs to be taught. He still doesn't know what he needs to do exactly. His instincts are totally on the offensive side of the puck compared to the defensive side. And like you said, I think he's going to continue to get better with each and every game. He certainly looked very good tonight. Um, you know, wasn't passing up shot opportunities, even though some of them got blocked. Some of them might have missed the net. The fact that he was even attempting to shoot, it's a positive sign and something that this defense needs to start doing more. We need to start seeing that more out of the defense. It even led to um, the first goal, his, his willingness to shoot. So, um, yeah, I, I totally think that you're right on there with your assessment of Matheson, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do as we as he kind of hopefully can string a couple games here together without getting injured. So, um, but yeah. <laughs> or falling at practice and <laughs> almost going back on the injured list. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think the biggest thing for him is he just needs to get back out there and, um, you know, work his way through it and keep learning. So, um, definitely getting into my second point here, this power play, man, who still remains an issue even after what, what was it? We had almost a week off and they spent almost the entire week practicing the power play and they come out here over 19 in the last, however many games it was coming into this game finally get their first opportunity they didn't get one last game and what do they do they look the exact same after all the week of practice all the stuff say all the wooden sticks breaking them out you know emphasis on shooting what do we do Aaron passes Aaron passes trying to get through the slot trying to make the cross ice feed um i'm pretty sure we even saw a, br- a shorthanded breakaway that happened on the first power play um against that yep. unit so it remains a concern for me. I, I It just absolutely baffles me, continues to baffle me. I'm sure it baffles you too, how you can have that much talent on the ice and it just look and produce that terribly. So um, they got to find a way to get that going, man. Yeah, it's pretty bad. And and to me, you know, the biggest thing that I, I see is, you know, I mentioned it before, you know, the umbrella power play, it has ex- its strengths. But when you're, you know, your your top power play guy at the top of the umbrella is just passing to the two wings, um, doesn't help. You know, um, it, it's tough when you're constantly giving up breakaways. It's tough to get anything set up when your passes aren't getting, you know, to the player that you're trying to pass to and they're getting intercepted, knocked out of the air. And certainly some of that's puck luck. You know, um, you're going to stretch where every puck that you know you try and sauce across the ice is getting deflected by the defenders, and then, you know a week later, maybe even the next game, all of them are getting through and they're just barely missing. You know, it's one of those things that certainly skill comes into play, but a lot of that becomes puck luck. 
um, height, you know, depth, whatever. But um, yeah, it's bad. I mean, I'm hoping that that Malkin goal uh, with 18 seconds left to tie it to get to overtime, um, just absolute ripper. Um, I'm really hoping that kind of gets him in that shoot mentality. Like, okay, I can still shoot the puck like this. Um, you know, it's one of those things that for him, the more goals he scores shooting the puck rather than deflections or kind of stuff in his confidence is going to go through the roof because he'll think, okay, my shot's still good. I can do this. Um, so yeah, I think for me, that's, that's the biggest thing is just get him and Latang shooting more. But truthfully, if I were Sully right now, I'd run out Sid, Gino, Gensel, Rust, and Matheson as my top unit. Don't care that there's only one right shot. I want a guy that's getting pucks through, a guy that's going to be a threat to shoot, and a guy that knows how to play an offensive game. Mm-hmm. Because Latang and, right now, I don't trust enough. Yeah, and, and like you said with the umbrella, and then you also mentioned Justin Schultz, which I'll tie the two together. I think one of the most important aspects of the umbrella itself is having that guy up top be able to get long shots through, because then you can then collapse down and have people from all angles. And they're just simply not doing that and I think that's what made Justin Schultz so effective when he was here like you said a few minutes ago he was able to keep his head up at all times walk the line and get those shots through and and that's why I always felt strongly about putting Schultz out there over Latang when he was here um in Pittsburgh outside of the last year or so when he was just absolutely dreadful but um the fact that they're running it that way and they're if they have a guy at the top that just refuses to shoot, I agree. You need to get a guy like Matheson in there that even if it doesn't get through, at least you got the willingness to shoot. If you and, want to write shot bad enough, Cody CC is shooting the puck more than Chris <laughs> Letang, so I really don't care. And Chad Ruweedle, dude, I, I don't care. Just somebody that's willing to shoot because that's the biggest issue. And I agree with you that they need to get Juno more involved because to me personally – his one timer is probably the best weapon they have on that power play. So, um, not even close. I think that's got to happen. And I think Sid's got to just continue to play down low. I know they've been kind of experimenting with him on the left wall and then like kind of putting him all over the place. I think he's just got to stay down low and you got to, got to get a guy in there that's going to shoot at the top. And you also got to find a way to get Gino's one timer involved because that's probably the biggest weapon on there. So, um, I guess a guy that's on the power play uh, to kind of segment into my next point here is Brian Rust. What a player. What a guy. This man has been a chance machine for like three weeks, even though they didn't play for like a week and a half of it. He's been a chance machine. I mean, he is shooting the puck just to shoot the puck, which is what we need. Um, but I, I said to you this game, he looked like kind of Patrick Hornquist. Um, you know, his goal was scored a beautiful passing play. Can't even say anything else about it. It was unbelievable, the passing, but um, literally boxed out the defender, had it behind him. He was one-on-one from two feet in front of Semyon Verlamov. Um, you know, just the two of them, and he tucked it home. I mean, that was a Patrick Hornquist goal. Defender draped on his back. Um, just honestly, a, a great opportunity there, and, you know, tucked it home, and uh, another goal that you had even, or another play you mentioned was Matheson setting up, uh, you know, the the play down low. Um, Matheson shot through on that, but then another time Matheson shot wide right instead of left, and Rust was right there and almost banged it home. So, um, you know, he looked really good tonight. You know, I think last game they said he had eight shots or something. Tonight I think he had another three or four. Um, that Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel, Brian Rust line is just flat out on a different planet right now compared to every other uh, line in hockey. So 
Um, just the possession game. I mean, Jake Gensel doesn't look like himself. I, I really haven't thought it all season, but I think Brian Russ still looks like he did last year. Um, and Sid's still, I mean, playing unbelievable, uh, even without the point production that we're used to. Um, it's just great to see that line clicking uh, and finding some real traction. Um, it's it's honestly a good sign. And if Brian Russ plays like Patrick Hornquist, it's going to be a long season for a lot of teams. He's going to score a lot of goals. Yeah, I mean, I think Brian Rust is very much, you know, a key to the success of the Penguins moving forward, um, especially this season, at least. We um, saw it last year with this breakout season. Would have gotten 30 goals if not for the stoppage. And, you know, he's kind of always been this jack-of-all-trades kind of player for the Pens where he can play on the penalty kill. He can throw him up with Sitter Gino. He can play pretty much any position, any forward position. Uh, might be able to play defense too, but I don't know if they want to try that out or not. But um, hey, I'm down <laughs> as the he, biggest Brian Russ stand out there. I, I will take it. <laughs> he is very much a component of their success, and that line, you had it right. That line is absolutely on fire, and the way that he's been able to kind of evolve his game, and and we've been able to see it over the last couple of seasons, where he's gone from fringe second, third line, and then major penalty killer to you know, premier goal scorer where he's added the touch. Um, there's a couple of times throughout the last couple of games where maybe if he would added a little bit more lift, he probably would have potted three or four goals, but I'm not going to complain about that because the guy just, he's so, so much important to this team and gives us all. And, you know, does pretty much, like I said, he's like their Jack of all trades their Swiss army knife, however you want to put it. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, th- they need guys like him moving forward if they're going to do anything this season. The previous game when he had eight shots, I think they said he could have four goals if he would have elevated. Um, I mean, he had pucks that were just barely bouncing off of, of uh, goalies' pads. Um, and the other thing, he got an A a couple games ago when Latang missed. Personally, I think he should get one permanently. He's really <laughs> turned into a locker room leader. Um, yeah. He is becoming a Patrick Hornquist in terms of locker room leader. He doesn't bring the energy that Horny did. He's not, like, flat-out borderline psychotic. Um <laughs> I mean, that dude, that dude was a nutball. Um, yep. But Brian Russ knows how to lead. He's really turned into a guy that that team counts on. Um, you know, both his play on the ice have turned into like top line stuff. Like seriously, nobody saw that coming, you know, 30 goals. Everybody was a guy, he's a 20 a year guy. But when you're putting up 30, 40 pace in terms of goals, um, it's kind of unbelievable to yeah. see. So I mean, crazy. People were saying back, I remember, um, the year after that second cup when he had one goal through the half, first half of the season and he was playing on the fourth line when the, people were saying that might have been the worst contract Jimmy Rutherford's ever given in his career outside of Alexander Semin. But um, people were saying to trade him instead of Sherry. Yeah. I, I, Sherry. I think, sorry. My yeah, bad. Sherry. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I do remember that with the. Um, forget it was it max domi or something some kind of room comes kind of crazy i think rumor. it was the domi rumor that he it would have been rust for domi yeah and you know thank god they didn't do that because what was once looked at as a terrible contract is now probably outside of maybe obviously outside of crosby's 8.7 million cap hit but um probably I place one of it the, like top 15 in the league steals yeah, probably one of the best contracts in the league to be honest yep so, certainly um, not on the uh you know sid mckinnon Pasternak, you know, McDavid's a steal, even as the highest player and the paid player in the league. But yeah, I would agree. So this leads me to my third and final point. And 
I hate to end on kind of a a lower note here, but I have to bring I have to talk about this where this team I I, I don't know, man. They they just worry me. And you saw it towards the end of last season where they kind of got lackadaisical um, trying to play with too much skill when maybe they need to simplify things a bit. And we saw it last season when the Stars were out. They looked like one of the top three, five teams in the league whenever the Stars were out and they were playing as a team. They are playing more simple hockey. They are playing team hockey and working as a unit. And I don't know. I just I, I see too much of trends that still come through from last season where I mentioned they kind of got away from their game a little bit, um, being a little bit individual kind of play, trying to make too many fancy plays instead of going to the net, not shooting the puck specifically is another big one. Um, they, they still play way too far out on the perimeter for me. And I don't want to call them a soft team because I don't think any hockey player or yeah, any hockey player is soft, but um, they certainly play. Everybody, including Max Talbot. <laughs> Except Max Delvin. <laughs> but uh sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I mean come on. <laughs> no. Nah, a bunch of soft players. Except all, Max Delvin. Absolutely all time press conference by Michelle Tarian. Uh this soft. Except maybe except Max Talbot. But um Yeah, I don't know, man. They they just give me and then they come out in spurts where they look like they're a great team. They'll play half of the game where they're kind of meh. Um, I, I don't know. I think they need to fi- figure out a way to get that collective, you know, effort for a whole 60 minutes. I think they can still do it. Obviously the season is still young. Um, and you'd rather them kind of get the, the kinks out early on in the year and play their best hockey towards the spring where we've seen them done that several times, um, in our lives, most notably in 09 and 16. Um, but I don't know. I'll leave I'll leave it to you to kind of comment chime in on that, but uh, I mean one regulation one regulation win this season that's it. Um, I, I don't know they they just give me mixed signals. Yeah, it's really weird. I mean the first three or four games they like they were down like two goals after the first period a majority of the time. Um, they're not they weren't starting well, but the last you know three four-ish games they've actually started a little bit better um certainly they've been trailing after one a couple times but they were also leading after one um it's it it really is i think mixed signals is probably the best way to describe this team um they go through these spurts of of pretty good you know passionate play where they're really pressing they're really you know putting the pressure on and they did it tonight they did it for probably eight or nine consecutive minutes of just the Isles couldn't get the puck out. They were bringing the puck in and out of the zone at will. Um, then they go through spurts where the Isles do the same thing to them. I mean, the Islanders are a good puck possession team, but they're they're letting every team do that. So um, I agree. I think, you know, shooting is obviously the big thing, and it's what everybody hears when they go to a game of PBG. You know, shoot, shoot, shoot. Um, you and I hear it working the games, and it's just crazy. But, um, yeah, I, it's tough because mixed signals is definitely – um, the best way to say it without kind of going crazy overboard into it, um, you know, the goaltending's not helping them enough, um, but also the defense isn't helping the goaltending. The forwards are doing as much as they can, but they can't defend for the defensemen. So it's really been a back-end problem the majority of the season in my eyes. Um, you know, it's one of those things that they need to start getting figured out, and it's yeah. bad. But yeah. I, I mean, will say <clears throat> for everybody – saying they would rather have Matt Murray back 
he gave up three goals on 15 shots and got pulled tonight. So would you rather have that and what he's done all season or what we're getting from DeSmith and Jari? So I pose that question to anybody listening. (laughs) Yeah, they signed him probably one of the worst goaltender contracts since Rick DiPietro, for real. (laughs) I mean, you can't can't deny the results, clearly. I mean... um, they continue to win. I mean, they don't. I'm, I guess you can't say they've been dominant this season, but they are getting wins like tonight where they don't play well. Still finding out ways to get the two points, which within itself is excellent. You know, like finding ways to win when you don't play your best game. I, I feel like that's what great teams do. That's a, that's an aspect of great teams. But great teams are also not as completely inconsistent as the Penguins are and have been this season. And honestly, a statistic that I would personally like to know because. Watching all these games, it seems like they've always been either tied or trailing. Like I would love to know for how long the season that they've actually had a lead. There was a point where I think they said it through two games, the games against the Flyers, that they they didn't have a lead. And I think insane. it wasn't. I don't think it was until like the third or fourth, like the games against the Capitals. I think it was the fourth game of the season that they finally had a lead. That's insane. Like that, that's yeah, just not it was sustainable. One of the, yeah, no. But they continue to win, so I can't complain. I'll take them as they come. Yeah, I mean, they're scratch claw victories, you know, kind of that heart attack style. But <laughs> um, I guess the only positive takeaway that I can add um, that we haven't really touched on would be that third line and the return of Zach Aston Reese. Um, certainly a guy that a lot of people kind of have is that, you know, overlooked player that you know just really plays a grind role doesn't really do a whole lot offensively you know in college was a 30 goal scorer Hobie Baker finalist um thanks AT&T for that one tonight by the way um but he came back tonight you know kind of looked like what everybody expected from him when we signed him um you know what he's shown flashes of you know he's he's one of those guys that you can't put him in streaky score because he doesn't score enough to be streaky um, he'll score like three, four points in a week, then not score for like two months. Um, and, and I guess that is streaky, but like, it's hard to say streaky unless you're doing what Austin Matthews is doing, or maybe not quite on that level, but you know, three, four, five games being on a tear and then kind of cooling off. Um, but I don't know. He, he had five shots. He played the body well, especially for a shoulder injury. And a lot of his game is his physicality, um, and kind of digging in the corners. So he looked strong. He looked ready. Um, scored a goal. Uh, it was a crucial goal too. I mean, truly they needed that one for momentum more than anything, but, um, you know, that line putting him Bluger and Tana back together, that line was our most used line last year. Once again, thanks to AT&T. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it's one of those things that, you know, he looked good. The third line looked great. And, uh, you know, certainly is one of those lines you don't want to touch. Um, and if you're, New GM Ron Hextall or you know president of hockey ops Brian Burke. Um, you don't mess with the players that are playing on that line right now unless you have a ridiculous offer. So, um, as we mentioned, uh, Ron Hextall is the new GM of the Penguins, replacing uh, Jim Rutherford. I think it was like 13 days between him stepping down and hiring. Um, certainly a very short transition. Hextall was kind of the front runner from the start, the guy that everybody thought was going to take the job or get the job. Um, but you know, Brian Burke, that one came out of left field, man. Um, <laughs> but he was sitting in T- TSN, just chilling, doing his job. I got a call and how'd he turn it down? Especially when for, I'll probably say it for maybe what the 20th time that anybody listening is going to hear it. 
he just missed out on Sidney Crosby in 2004, <laughs> but now he gets him. So, um, you know, as he said in his first press conference with his tie untied, top button missing. Um, I love it. Yeah, what a guy. You know, they they could not have hired two more polar opposite people. Hextall, the guy that doesn't talk, and Burke, the guy that talks a lot. Mm-hmm. Probably too much. So I'll let you take it away, what you, uh, what you think about this. Yeah, I, I think they absolutely nailed this. And I know a lot of people are going to be a little skeptical on the Brian Burke aspect of it because, you know, people like to say he's kind of a dinosaur. He thinks of the game back in 2000, not the new NHL kind of game. But I don't think that Brian Burke was necessarily brought in to make all of the player personnel moves. Like, I still think that's going to be Ron Hextall. And, you know, whenever Ron Hextall's name was first brought up, Whenever after uh, Jim Rutherford decided to step down, I thought that would be the perfect fit, and I never really understood why Philly kind of gave showed him the door. Um, like I can get it, maybe they wanted to win now more quickly, but as you can see, I mean, a lot of the players that he was able to, you know, bring into that prospect system into that into that organization, you're seeing it come to fruition now. It's it's pretty much Ron Hextall's team that's playing on the ice right now. Nothing against Chuck Fletcher, but um, a lot of those guys were originally brought in and drafted by Ron Hextall himself. So I, I think that the player move and and Burke, I thought brought this up very you know profoundly during the introductory uh, press conference when he said, "Nope, um, Ronnie uh, Hextall, you answer that question. You're the general manager." So I think. He's going to be more of like a manager slash advisor type role where Hextall, it's been mentioned, you've mentioned it to me in the past where he kind of like doesn't really like to talk and communicate with people and he kind of just likes to be left alone and do his own job. So I think Burke was brought in to not only help, you know, help Hextall make decisions with the team. When it would ultimately, it's ultimately going to be Hextall's decision, but I think he was also there to help build a bridge to, you know, communicate with ownership, communicate with the coaches, communicate with the media, kind of take some of those responsibilities off of Hextall so that he can really, really focus on retooling this team on the fly and bringing in some, you know, restocking the farm because they really need it. So um, I'm excited about the hires. I want to start off. We didn't get a chance to do our Jim Rutherford episode yet, but I'm sure we will here in the near future. I want to thank him for his time. Here in Pittsburgh, you brought us two cups. Um, probably the most thrilling, you know, couple of years of Penguins hockey that at least I can remember in my lifetime were those back-to-back cups. Um, so, so I thank him for that and all he brought to the city of Pittsburgh, and wish him nothing but the best wherever he ends up next in life. So, absolutely, I, I was actually going to lead with that. You know, the the things he did, the way he handled himself, the way he crafted the team, just unreal. I mean, you know, the best three trades he made were. Haglin, Daly, Schultz, no question, not even close. And best signing, um, Bonino, you know, I didn't even mention Phil Kessel, but, um, you know, without Phil, those other trades don't happen. Um, But because of Phil, he was able to, you know, kind of go out and get those guys and make the team exactly what he needed, speed, speed, speed. And that those teams in 16, 17 were phenomenal. I've never seen a hockey team like what 2016 was because – as we've mentioned before, they just kind of showed up to the rink and knew they were going to win. They were that freaking good. Like teams didn't really have much of a chance, especially the Rangers round one, the caps, you know, that 
that series was a close series, but you know, you just knew the Penguins were getting somewhere. Um, you know, they, they were, they were good and Rutherford did what he needed to do. Um, so thank you to, to Jimmy, um, for everything. And then, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, to Hextall and Burke, you know, polar opposites, like I said, but Hextall is one of those guys that acquires assets, doesn't really move them. Um, like you said, the Flyers team, you know, the thing I think about is, uh, Tomlin was playing with Kyers team, um, Yinzer take there, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things that you, you look at it, you know, I think they said Konechny, Farabee, uh, Morgan Frost, and, uh, I can't think of the defenseman. Sandheim were all his draft picks. Well, Carter uh, Hart. And Carter Hart. You know, fantastic draft picks. And, you know, sure, a lot of those guys are first-rounders, but, you know, knew what to look for, knew how to draft, you know, did the right things. And I think, uh, you know, having him as a guy that manages assets and wants assets because he knows that's the only way. You know, he had Giroux at, you know, late 20s. So it was easier to retool on a guy around a guy going into his thirties, but now you got Crosby like early to mid thirties, you know, kind of that transition. So you got to do it quick. Um, certainly interested to see. And, you know, Burke's one of those guys that I've already seen takes of Milan Lucic to Pittsburgh because of Brian Burke. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That one got a good laugh out of me, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because, you know, he, he will want size and, he made a take on TSN. Uh, they interviewed him today, and he said, "You know, the the last three Cup winners have been quote unquote long pants hockey again. Bigger yep. teams that play, you know, kind of harder, uh, harder style hockey. You know, the Caps are one of those teams winning in eighteen, nineteen. The Blues very much so that long pants hockey. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to use that a lot now. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and last year, you know, uh, with Tampa winning, they have a lot of size, a lot of big guys." Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be good. You know, Burke likes to make moves. Hextall likes to get assets. So I'm going to be interested to see how they work together. Um, but also having Sam Ventura there. He's still there, right? Yeah, he's still there. Yeah, having Sam Ventura, um, you know, in that front office, big analytics guy. Um, it's certainly going to be interesting. You know, you got two older school uh, thinkers, and then you got Ventura, who's very uh, modern. So mm-hmm. um, I'm very int- you know, intrigued by this. Um yeah, I, I'm interested to see where they take it. So, you know, they got the uh, deadline in about a month and a half. So certainly uh, crunch time. Yeah, and I just want to add, those guys, a lot of the guys that Hextall drafted, you mentioned they were in the first round, but, you know, they we're not talking top 10, not even really 15 draft picks, I don't think, outside of like Ivan Provorov and I think Sandheim. I think Connect Me was like high. 18 or 19. But so... But he moved around to get a lot of those guys, like like notably Konechny. He traded up whenever he saw he was falling. Like, and then I think he traded Braden Shen for a pair. Like, obviously Braden Shen's a great player, but he traded him for a pair of first round picks. And I think those first round picks ended up being Morgan Frost and well, who was I think Farabee was the other one. So like, I think it was Frost was one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm almost certain Farabee was the other one. So. It's not like the Penguins don't have any assets that can net them, you know, a late, maybe 20 and end first round pick. Like, you know, maybe you trade a Jared McCann, maybe you trade, um, you know, just throwing names out, maybe like a Marcus Pedersen. Like they have the assets to get those kind of picks for Hextall to really put, you know, to make an impact there. So I'm excited to looking at looking towards that. They obviously don't have their first round pick this year. 
and they've said that they're going to go for it this year and then kind of evaluate after the end of the season. So it's interesting to see how they're kind of kind of handle that, what they add, what they decide to trade. So, um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. It's a new direction. You know, they knew they had to go in more of a retooling, rebuilding um, outlook because, you know, as, as we all know, Rutherford just makes <laughs> trades to make trades. Um, but they needed a guy like Hextall that's got the, the restraint, you know, kind of can um, say no to a deal. But I agree. McCann, Pedersen, those are two key um, trade chips for this team right now because, you know, the Madison contract's untradeable. POJ and Marino are not moving. You don't move Ruedel or CC. They're playing really well. Um, and Latang, I mean, <laughs> I would love to see a return on Latang, but, um, you know, he is a guy that when he's on, he is one of the top defensemen in the league. So, um, as with his whole career, you take him at his best and kind of just deal with him at his worst. Um, yeah. but I agree, you know, McCann could probably net you like that 20 to 25 first rounder. Patterson could probably get you more inside that 17, 18 range. Um, being he's on a very good deal, very young, um, you know, so I agree. I think it'll be interesting um, and definitely looking forward to uh, this new chapter, but also not because it means the end of an era. So, I mean, let's, um, let's also not forget that the uh, New York Islanders traded Griffin Reinhardt for the pick that became Matt Barzell. So there's hope. <laughs> and we well, that was actually our pick, which was because, our pick. Yep. Yeah. Our pick went to uh, Dallas for uh, no, Edmonton for Perron. Or Edmonton for Perron, and then it got sent to Dallas somehow, and then Dallas sent him somewhere else. Then it went up to it, it moved like five times because I watched the TSN trade tree for Matt Barzell, and it's just wild. <laughs> yep, I just I just remember Griffin Reinhardt being the main piece for yep. that pick. So yep. yes, yeah, so, it's possible. Exactly, anything's possible, um, and certainly it's it's a it's a it's a kind of positive outlook for this team right now. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of eyes are on them, which is different than normal. Um, but certainly, they're all looking forward to it. I'm sure. So, yep, it's a breath of fresh air, like you said. So, exactly. So, uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for us here on uh, this fourth episode covering the Pens and kind of the storylines with all the madness that's gone on this season. Um, anything else you want to add, Dante? Oh, I think I think that just about does it for me over the last couple of weeks. Hopefully. We get less postponements coming up so we can actually watch some games. I agree. That uh, certainly is a key. All right, everybody. We'll uh, we'll catch you next week or uh, whenever, depending on how many games they get to play. Um, <laughs> so we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Be safe.